This is the Washington Indivisible Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. If you followed Kevin McCarthy's rather prolonged confirmation process to become speaker, you are familiar with the many concessions that he made to the MAGA wing in Congress, specifically those empowering members who want to default on the national debt, something that, if successful, would have catastrophic consequences for the U.S. and even global economy. As the vote gets closer, Indivisible is asking groups across the country to call attention to the dangers of this MAGA default crisis by hosting a series of events from May 19th through the 26th. And here to talk about this is our friend Indivisible. National Advocacy Director, Mary Small. Hey, Mary, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on today. We really appreciate you doing this. And I think it's really just a, a, a great for those. And I, we know that a lot of people have been paying very close attention to this. But for those who aren't, this is really something that I am very committed to uh, to calling uh, attention to. And I know that Indivisible as well. Um, you know, I just outlined the state of play in my, my introduction with this default crisis. But I wonder if you could just give us a little bit more context. What are MAGA Republicans threatening to do here? A lot is the short answer, and all of it is bad. So, uh, the as you as you mentioned, the consequences of of a default of America not paying its bills are are really catastrophic. Certainly, there's impacts at the high level of the economy, but the impacts on everyday people are going to be extreme. We're talking about rising interest rates for credit cards, for car loans, for mortgages, right at the moment where you know American families who've been struggling through the course of the pandemic coming out of it are really starting to get back on starting to get some stability, starting to get back on solid ground, to have to think about those skyrocketing gas and groceries going up further. Um, that is just a really horrifying thing to, to think about it. And, and also when you're talking about default, you're looking at real impacts on social services. Um, so you're looking at social security checks and Medicare not going out, veterans benefits being impacted, all of the things that that folks across the country really rely on for their lives and livelihoods, and in many cases have paid into and earned over the course of their lives. So the, the impact that we're talking about here are broad um, and deep and really horrifying to think that any elected official would be would be playing around with that kind of fire and harm. Yeah, it's it's really unconscionable. I mean, just some of the things that in the the, the recent national call uh, that you had on this, you talked about things, you know, unemployment spiking to seven percent. Um, you know, as as you mentioned, you know, prices for everything from groceries to gas would rise, credit card rates would rise, mortgages could become more than a hundred thousand dollars more expensive over their thirty year term. Just on and on and on. Do we have a sense of a timeline at this point as to when this vote is set to happen? So there's a couple of different pieces of this. So the actual uh, date of default is a moving target uh, for when the government would actually, uh, under the current limitations, um, kind of run into default. It's looking like it's going to be mid-June sometime. Um, that's a little bit determined by what happens with tax season, which is why it's moving around a little bit. But the the latest information that we got uh, is that it's early to mid-June. We're going to get a firm update, we think, from the Treasury Department relatively soon. So that's the that's sort of like catastrophe date that we are trying to make sure that we avoid, uh, because as we discussed, would be horrible for for every people across the country. As part of the the process of that, there's a vote that is going to be on the House floor next week. We don't have a specific date for it yet. My best guess is that the rules vote is going to be Thursday, and the floor vote will be Friday. Maybe they'll both be Friday, but we're looking at next week for Republicans try to move forward their negotiating position here. Um, so you have kind of an early to mid-June catastrophe date, and Republicans are making their next move. They're showing their kind of extremism cards, putting some cards on the table um, next week, and that's the the next phase of this process. 
All right. Well, let's talk about action here. You know, the first thing that I, I really would love to discuss with you is messaging, because you know that we're going to hear and we're already hearing this both sides reporting from mainstream media. How do we, uh, when we're messaging interpersonally on social media, put the blame where it belongs? Well, with with great confidence and lots of receipts. So <laughs> that would be my top line. Um, and if you'll forgive me for back in time for just a moment, I want all of your listeners to just feel really solid and grounded um, in, in, in how we're talking about this. So I promise I'll get to messaging in one second, but just Please. a quick bit of history to make folks feel really, really grounded in what we're talking about. So um, as early as last fall, Republicans began talking about their plans to use default, to use these catastrophic impacts to force policy concessions and to roll back some key parts of the Democrats' legislative accomplishments from last Congress. That was an open conversation as of last uh, last fall. You know, and you opened up this show talking about the many concessions that McCarthy had to make to win the speakership. This was one of them. So he was going around last fall to the right wing of his caucus, to the MAGA Republicans saying, I will slash Social Security. I will slash Medicare. Um, I will refuse uh, to prevent defaults unless we're able to do those things openly talking about it. And so this has been something that's been building and that we're not reading between the of what MAGA Republicans' intentions are, they're talking about it very, very openly. So that's one piece of the story in terms of blame. The other piece of the story um, is that, that, you know, this sounds absurd to say out loud, but we're in this position where MAGA Republicans want to default and refuse to pay what we owe for debts that they accumulated through tax cuts to the wealthiest Americans and corporations yep. that accrued much place. And so their, you know, their interest in fighting for the wealthy, fighting for the few, fighting for corporations accrued much of this debt, and now they don't want to pay it. Um, and they want to take out the blame, have the the cost of that fall on everyday Americans who rely on Social Security, Medicare, and, be- and veterans benefits. You're like all of those things. And so, you know, when you're looking big picture at the culpability of Republicans for default crisis specifically, but in this bigger way of like racking up a bunch of debt, by not asking super wealthy people to pay what they owe um, and then trying to take that out on working families, on kids, right? That's the real dynamic of what we're looking at. Yep, yep. Thank you for the context there. Absolutely. And something else we should stress, right, is this is about paying our bills. This is not about the budget, right? No, absolutely not. That's a different process that happens later in the year. Um, I, I hope, I'm sh- not, I hope, I know you're going to do a show that later in the year when we get closer to that. Mm-hmm. So your listeners will know, I know they're a savvy crew that the fiscal year ends, uh, at the end of September. And so Congress has to approve, um, spending in order for, you know, before October 1st to avoid a government shutdown. So we're going to get there. I think we can fully expect MAGA Republicans to continue being extreme, to continue trying to inflict harm and their other kind of outside of the norms demands. Um, so we will get there. We're not in that phase of the fight yet. This is just about paying our bills um, that we've already incurred. Let's Let's talk about the strategy that Indivisible has laid out here, and it is twofold. The first is to stiffen the resolve of Democrats, and the other is to toxify the GOP position. So, as you know, we have both uh, Democratic and Republican members of Congress here in the state. So let's start with the Democrats. First, you say that we need to make sure that no Democrat entertains any MAGA cuts. We know that our Congresswoman uh, Pramila Jayapal has co-authored a pledge for fellow House Democrats to sign on this. What can you tell us about this letter? Um, great. I'm so glad we're going to talk about this. Lots of love to Congresswoman Jayapal. So she mm-hmm. has really smartly 
partnered with Congresswoman Custer, who's the, uh, the chair of the New Dems. As you all know, as all of your listeners know, Congresswoman Jayapal is the chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. And then Congressman Boyle is the top Democrat on the budget committee. So you've got sort of span of the ideological caucus plus the person whose committee is relevant all working together on on this letter. Um, this is perfect timing for us to be talking about this because that letter is actually going to close next week ahead of the vote that I mentioned. And so this is the time um, for all of your for all of your listeners to go to magadefaultcrisis.org, magadefaultcrisis.org, and look at who is already on that letter. Um, and I know you have some listeners who are also outside of Washington State. So look at that list and see if your member of Congress is on the list of folks who are we're calling sideliners, right? Because all of us need Democrats who are in the fight, who are active, um, who are protecting Social Security and Medicare and fighting for everyday people, not folks who are on the sideline taking a wait and see approach for what the MAGA Republicans are going to propose as a path of destruction. So we want every Democrat on that letter. Um, we're about to get over 200. We're in great shape. There's just a few folks left. So um the first thing that folks can do is check, again, the list of sideliners at magadefaultcrisis.org. Um, and if your person, the sideliner, call them and then call their office the next day. And the next day, we'll keep that list updated in real time. But want to make sure that we have strong uh, democratic democratic unity headed into these uh, these next few weeks. And I will let folks know, actually, that we only have one member here in Washington, our first year uh, Congresswoman Marie Guzencamp Perez in Washington, third, who has not yet signed the letter. All other seven members have signed. Democratic members have signed. Um, you also say that we need to show support for these members who are doing the right thing. And you say that we need to demonstrate that our position is the popular position. What can you tell us about what the numbers are saying about the threat to the national debt here? Listen, in terms of um in terms of popularity, we're on super solid ground. Uh, when you ask people across the board uh, if America should default on its debt, two out of three people, depending on how you ask the question specifically, it can get higher than that. Agree, we should absolutely not default. Um, we we should we should pay our bills. We should pay what we owe. Um, when you poll on things like protecting Social Security and Medicare and food assistance and veteran benefits, the approval ratings are through the roof. And conversely, when you pull on whether or not we should slash those, the approval ratings are really, really low. And so, um, you know, you asked me a question earlier about messaging. And I will say, as everyone knows, how you ask the question affects how it polls. But it's pretty straightforward here. When we talk about consequences and outcomes on people's lives, we are on just rock solid popularity ground um, for this. When we get pulled into process debates, everything gets a little haywire. And that makes sense because process doesn't mean as much to everyday people in their lives as their gas, you know, their gas costs, their grocery costs, their mortgage payment, whatever the case may be. And so from a messaging standpoint, we want to talk about things like preventing default, not about something wonky like the debt ceiling. We want to talk about the consequences and impacts on everyday people's lives, um, not get pulled into, into process debates. Um, and so yeah. that's both the popularity answer and the messaging answer. Well, great. And actually, that gets us into talking about the, the strategy for Republicans, because the very first thing you say is accountability, that we absolutely need to focus on holding these GOP members accountable for what this uh, crisis would actually do, as opposed to the process itself. Uh, you also say that we need to get them on the record. Obviously, they're not going to sign this letter. So how do we get them on the record? There's a few different there's a few different options, but bird dogging. So again, this is the practice where you find out where your member of Congress is going to be in person, and then just show up and ask questions, catch them off guard. That can be at a town hall. So that could be anything from um, showing up at a town hall to finding out where they have a fundraiser um, and showing up outside of the fundraiser um, to something else. But catching your member of Congress in person um, and then asking the question is probably the single best way to do this. I will say it's critical that you record it. 
Um, it's great to actually do the exercise, but to make sure that if you're the question asker, someone else is videoing it or vice versa, so that you have that receipt um, is going to be a critical part of getting them on the record and having it stick. And and that can go in either direction. So if you um, if you ask them to co- commit to preventing default, commit to protecting Social Security and Medicare, and they say, yes, I commit, I will not do those horrible things. Fantastic. That's a great thing that shifts the this whole fight in our favor. On the other hand, if they refuse to answer, and like, to be honest with you, none of them are going to, well, actually, that's not true. Some of them will actually say out loud that they want to slash social security. That's a bananasly unpopular. <laughs> most of them. I love that adverb, by the way, bananasly. I'm going to, I'm going to start using that myself. That's great. <laughs> most of them are going to try to wiggle out of it because there's no great ground for them to stand on because they yeah. either have to undermine their party, which is in a very extreme posture, or they have to that we should protect Social Security and Medicare, we should um, prevent default. And so they'll get wiggly. And watching members of Congress get wiggly on video is also a helpful tool to build more constituent pressure, to have more folks um, engage and eventually pressure them over to the right side over time. Yeah, I will just confess it's a, it's a little entertaining as well. Um, speaking of bananas, speaking of bananas, Republicans do rigorous um, work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you say that every Republican needs to answer for their most extreme members. Now, I think that this is something that we should never stop doing through the twenty four election and beyond, since virtually every Republican has uh, proven themselves to at least be complicit with all of this. So, talk about some of the strategies here. Listening to you, apparently, I just wanted to say <laughs> preach while you were talking. Um, no, but that that's right. Um, the the reality of the situation that that we are in um, is that the Republican Party is controlled by its most extreme right flank, by the MAGA Republicans. We we saw that in everything from um, the concessions that McCarthy made to get the speakership to to all of the promises he's making now to his right flank. Um, about what he's going to do. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, the, the MAGA Republicans are, are, uh, frequently say the quiet part out loud. And, you know, Matt Gates actually just said McCarthy has taken our proposals and turned them into legislative text. Like he said, that's, that is what's happening. And, and Matt Gates is helpfully narrating that for all of us. And so Repu- every single Republican, even those who are trying to p- pretend that they're quote more moderate or whatever the case may be, have a choice to make. Either they are calling out and rejecting the harmful proposals of the MAGA Republicans or they're complicit. Those are actually the only two options available to them. And part of the work that we have to do is to force that choice point to hold them accountable to either fully publicly, um, unquestionably reject the the politics of MAGA Republicans or to be held accountable for how extreme they are. Right. And that gets into the last tactic here that you advise, which is using grassroots leverage to peel members away. So in addition to what you're talking about here, are there any other uh, sorts of tactics or strategies that we should be thinking about in order to to further this dividing and conquering? Yeah. So the one thing I'll say about peeling off folks um, is that in order to uh, prevent default, we are going to need to peel off some Republicans. Unfortunately, as everybody knows, they currently control the House of House of Representatives. And so we're going to need to pu- peel off a few of them to work with Democrats to prevent a default. Um, we think that some of the folks who are most likely to be those peel off Republicans are in this set of 18, what Indivisible is calling unrepresentatives, folks who are Republican members of Congress who represent districts that Biden won. So they're already out of sync with their constituents. And they're all first time members of Congress, which means they're inexperienced, they're shaky, and they're out of sync with their constituents, which is the perfect recipe um, for people 
to not go with their party on a vote. And so we know that we have to, we know that we have to peel folks off. The unrepresentatives, those 18 districts are where we're really focused, although maybe we'll get some surprises. Um, and so we're looking at a combination of, um, you know, bird dogging and press work and groups are looking at really interesting stuff like billboards and, and radio and lots of other things too. But, but some of it is, um, also direct action protest and a lot of constituent pressure from calls. I mean, I talked about this on the national call, but I still think it's a standout example. Um, a, a great group of constituents in Mike Lawler's district, um, uh, caught him outside of a fundraiser and scared him in asking questions about where his position on social security. And, um, there was enough noise. Uh, that he actually felt the need to release several statements to the press, uh, not as explicit as we wanted. They're still pushing to do there, right? But he felt the need to respond. And so I think in terms of peeling folks off, we're starting to see some of those first-time Congress people who are already out of sync with their constituents um, get a little shaky and see some of the pathway that we need to create to ultimately, um, you know, pull a couple of Republicans over the Democratic side and avoid a default. Yeah, I love everything that you're saying there. And I do want to talk about some of the uh, tactics that, that we can employ for these events uh, for the week of action. But before we get to that, I would just ask you, ideally, what is the what is the, the end game here? How should we like how do we want this to play out? I mean, the the end game that is is the best is that a subset of Republicans realize that the politics of this, the popularity of this is completely in their favor, is, is completely against them. And the political cost that they're paying is too high and they fold. And that is still a possibility. Like I want, I want all of your listeners to feel a sense of hopefulness and empowerness that if we push, if we really, um, stiffen dim spine and, and toxify the MAGA position, there's a pathway forward where Republicans fold on this because the hand they're holding is a bad one. It's a bad one for the country. It's a bad one for everyday people, but it's also a bad one for them because the politics of what they're pushing are very bad. Um, so that's one pathway, a different pathway. Um, which if you'll forgive me for uh, a small amount of wonk, you know, I can't help myself. Um, I do this on every, <laughs> every Please time. Please feel free. Is using a I'm called a discharge petition. Um, that is basically a way uh, that folks can force something onto the House floor without the speaker or committee chair agreeing to it. And basically what has to happen is you have to get a majority of members of Congress to sign on to something. And there's a certain amount of time you have to wait for it to, quote, ripen. And then it's forced to the floor. And the speaker has no say in it. They can't do anything about it. And so um, plan A is that we get a clean fold. They recognize they're holding a, ba a, a bad hand um, and we prevent a default crisis. Um, and then the second uh, is that that doesn't happen. And so we peel off a few Republicans to join Democrats for a discharge petition. Um, and then McCarthy is not part of that. I will signpost for, for your, for your listeners that even after we survive the house, there's still a Senate side thing that we have to navigate with getting it through the Senate. Um, that will be hard. There'll be another round of work, um, that is part, that's part of that. Um, and so that'll, that'll sort of be phase two, but the first thing to do, um, is get it, get it through the house. Um, and then we'll take on some of our, our favorite senators in the Senate. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm I'm glad that you you laid out uh, ultimately the end game and how things can and should play out here. And I hope that this is leaving people feeling empowered uh, to do the work that we need to do to get the outcome that we want. Um, as I mentioned at the very top, Indivisible is asking groups to hold events the week of May 19th through the 26th. And you talked about uh, some of the things that people can do here. I want to go a little bit deeper with you in the, the few minutes that we have left here, uh, because um, I know that you're saying that tactics for the event should vary depending on whether you have a Democratic or GOP representative. So if your representative is a Democrat, what sorts of things should you be focusing on? 
Yeah. So um, this is a place where part of part of stiffening folks' spine is making them, you know, feel supported in holding the position where they're at. This can look like anything um, from public thank yous um, to outreach opportunities. I think whether you're, you know, whether you're looking at a, a, a kind of Democrat facing event or Republican facing event, one of the things that you want to think about is media coverage, right? Because part of the work is also pulling your constituents, your community, your neighbor into this um, and on the right side of this fight. And so something that gets media attention, working with press so that they know about the event ahead of time, making sure you have um, that media notification ahead of time, getting quotes to them after the fact, kind of the, the ways that you work with local press to make sure there's coverage is a key part of making sure that your event has the maximum impact. And as we all know, members of Congress check their mentions in local press. Very, They're very attentive to them. Um, and so those are all reasons to make sure that press is a component of what you do. But on the Democratic facing side, um, like friendly support for folks to do even more. Um, as I said, there's still a few sideliners uh, on this letter that we're focused on making sure don't waver, don't decide that it's a good idea to freelance with Republicans. Um, but for most folks, we just need to, them to stay where they are and continue to back the president um, in, in, in taking action to prevent a default crisis. But part of that involves um, continuing to organize their colleagues to talk about it publicly, to go beyond just signing a letter, um, to be an active fighter in this fight. And so calling on them to do that from a friendly from a posture of saying thank you, making them feel appreciated um, is sort of the vibe for, for Democrat facing events. Um, and then on the, the Republican side, I mean, it goes back to some of the things that we that we talked about for, before about, um, again, the press piece is very important, both for making sure that it gets your member of Congress's attention, but also making sure that it gets the attention of more of your community members and neighbors. But here, we're much more focused on accountability. And I think the key pieces here um, are focusing on the consequences and outcomes uh, of default, like we talked about, impacts on Social Security and Medicare and veterans benefits and food assistance and right, like that whole list. You can pick a couple that feel most salient for your community or your target audience to talk about. So that's one piece, focus on consequences. And then the other piece is this accountability piece of holding them accountable for the sort of most extreme um, positions of their party. As, as we talked about before, either they're denouncing them or they're complicit and agree with them. There are no other choices for them and making sure your event calls the question that starkly um, is the way to go. You know, um, if you're feeling overwhelmed at this point, gang, I will just uh, point out that we're going to have a ton of resources for you on this with lots of suggestions for your events and, and so forth. And I would just also mention, um, Mary, that Indivisible is offering uh, some support for these events, correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. There's a couple of options that are available. Um, there is one possibility that is Grow Grants. Uh, you can find more about these on Indivisible's website. And let me also just take this moment to, to shout out the new group support hub where all of the supportive materials for groups um, are more easily accessible. Also, it's beautiful. Um, so take a look at that. But but the, the process for Grow Grants um, to support action that your group takes together are there. Um, and there's also the possibility of reimbursements um, for expenses. You can find uh, the, the links to a way to submit for those as well. We want to make sure that folks have the financial resources that they need to do these events to be supportive as groups. Um, you can reach out through the support hub or also through your organizer um, to make sure you can move that through. Tremendous. And as I say, there's just a ton of resources available here. Press kits, signs. Uh, there was also a media training that I recently attended that uh, talks about how you should speak with the press uh, at these sorts of events. And if you were unable to attend, uh, you can write letters to the editor. You can you certainly be calling your member of Congress. The goal here is to have at least 250 events across the country. And there's actually going to be a training for this week of action happening on May 4th at 8 p.m. And I'll have more details on that. And as Mary says, more on all of this at MAGA.com. 
defaultcrisis.org. Mary Small, I cannot thank you enough. As always, it's so good to talk to you. And, and thanks for all the great work that you are doing and continue to do. Oh my gosh, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Thanks for the invite. And that'll do it for this week. The executive producer of the show is Kat Pipkin. If you'd like to see a video version of this podcast, head to facebook.com slash indivisible podcast. The email address for the show is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Lori Kowal. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. I'm Stephen Cox, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.